Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. So good morning. We are in the final week of a series called The Power of Belonging. And if you were here last week or you tuned in online, you know uh, that our discipleship minister, Matt Delano, uh, is supposed to be here, and I am not Matt Delano. Uh, I am also not our interim preaching minister, Tim Curtis, uh, nor am I our newly hired full-time preaching minister, Zane Witcher. Um, but luckily for you all, Tim will be back here next week, and in two weeks, Zane will be with us full-time. So my name is Luke Cochran. I'm the deacon over small groups here at Round Rock Church of Christ, and, and really what that means is that I help Matt with small groups. And about this time, uh, last week, I found myself once again agreeing to help Matt. I agreed uh, to fill in for Matt if a series of highly improbable circumstances took place. Uh, and as you can see, here I am with you uh, this morning. So this is uh, apparently the week where I am beating all the odds, right? Uh, so I'm thinking about buying a lottery ticket when I leave. I may head to Vegas. Um, but really, Matt uh, is fine. Uh, in fact, over the moon, uh, their new son, Beckham, was born yesterday morning. Uh, Amber and Beckham are doing great. I hear that Avery is so excited to be a big sister. Uh, and I am, it's really a joy to be here with y'all this morning, and I am excited to talk about the power of belonging. Now, last week, we looked at this quote from Samer Massad, and he says, a house is something you can see, but a home is something you can feel. A house is something you can touch, but a home is something you experience. A house is somewhere you live, but a home is somewhere you belong. And we looked at the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospels, there are four of them. The Gospels are just accounts of Jesus' life. And the Gospel of Luke is an account uh, written by a guy named Luke in the first century. So we looked at the Gospel of Luke and this story that Jesus tells about a lost son, a son who demanded his inheritance while his father was still alive, a son who took that inheritance and went and made bad decision after bad decision until he found himself penniless and wallowing around with some pigs. And at this point, the son realizes that even the servants in his father's house live better than he is. So he sets off and he heads for home, likely filled with shame, maybe some regret. 
just hoping that he can be a servant in his father's house. But instead, he finds a father waiting for him who is overjoyed. He finds that nothing he'd done, no decision he'd made, had changed the love of his father for him. That despite all the choices that he had made, he still belonged in his father's home. And this idea of home is so important for us here at Round Rock Church of Christ. Because one of our core behaviors is to be a reason for someone to come home. Right? We strive to maintain an intentional posture of hospitality towards those who have questions about God. Right? To be a people that are always inviting those around us to come and experience the stories that God is writing. And, and quite honestly, I think we do this well. Right? But the inviting the being a reason for someone is only one part of the equation. And it'll never have the impact that it could, the impact that it should, if we don't get home right. So this morning, we're going to spend some time talking about this question. What can we do to make this place feel more like home? What can we do to ensure that when someone walks into this place, it is a place of belonging? And this question is so important for us because as we look at the world around us, we see that more than ever before, people are not looking for something to attend. They are not looking for a place that they can just go to. They are looking for a place to belong, right? Not a place just to come, not a place to come and be invisible in, but a place to belong. They are not looking for a house. They are looking for a home. Now, I read an interesting article from, from 2019 by the Dean of Religious Life at the University of Southern California. Now, some of y'all are thinking, I did not know there was a Dean of Religious Life at the University of Southern California. Uh, well, neither did I until, uh, until I read this article. And in this article, he describes what he's seeing as a loneliness crisis at the University of Southern California and at so many universities across the country. And this is what he writes. I never got the question in my first five years at USC that I now get almost daily from students. How do I make friends? Students may have thousands of friends online, but few in real life. They may be experts at talking with their thumbs, but not so much with their tongues. As a result, many feel as though they don't have a tribe or a sense of belonging. They feel disconnected from what it means to be human. Right, hear that. As a result, many feel as if they don't have a tribe or a sense of belonging. They feel disconnected from what it means to be human. Now, Generation Z, this generation, generation coming up, 
uh, is lonelier than ever. They're more anxious than ever. They're more stressed than ever. In fact, several years ago, a psychologist uh, named Robert Lehay pointed out that the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Loneliness rates are higher than they've ever been before. Anxiety rates are higher than they've been. Depression rates are higher than they've been. Now, I'm not saying that loneliness is the cause of all of this, but if you're like me, then you know it's true that when you struggle with something in isolation, it multiplies the negative effect of that struggle. And quickly, as a deacon in small groups, I just got to say, this is why we encourage you to join a small group here at Round Rock Church of Christ, because life is too hard to do it alone. When life punches you in the face, and it will, you need someone there to catch you. And that's what small groups are here at Round Rock Church of Christ, a place where we can build a community of belonging. Okay, back to what we're talking about. So loneliness, anxiety, depression rates, these are all part of the reason why we have to pay attention to what is happening around us. Because what we are seeing is a belonging gap. A belonging gap. There is a discrepancy of belonging. And as followers of Jesus and the church, we are uniquely positioned to step into this belonging gap. Because without community and without belonging, we will be disconnected from what it means to be human. Now, I've been talking about Generation Z and kind of this up-and-coming generation, but we know that belonging is not just a student thing, right? You don't have to think back to when you were in high school or think back to when you were in middle school to know that a deep desire for belonging is in all of us. Belonging and the need for belonging is a part of the human condition. Any psychology fans in the room? I know there's got to be... There's at least got to be a couple of y'all out there. Okay, so I am not a psychologist, uh, but I have read a little bit about one named Abraham Maslow and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's this theory that Abraham Maslow put together where he gave these five basic human needs that drive human behavior and motivation. This hierarchy of needs, it starts with physiological needs. Things like air, water, food, and shelter. And then safety needs like personal security or health, and love and belonging, connection, friendship, acceptance. And then self-esteem, right? Respect, status, recognition, to find value in who we are. And self-actualization needs, this need that we have to step into our fullest potential. Now, this theory has been adapted over the years by various psychologists, but I think there's something here for us to learn from what Abraham Maslow said are these five basic needs of humanity. And the way that this theory works is that our brains are constantly scanning the environment to make sure that these needs are met. 
So whenever we walk into a new environment, uh, our brain's primary purpose is to make sure that we survive and that we thrive. That's our brain's full-time job. First and foremost, to make sure that we survive, right? That's why physiological needs are first. Our brain wants to make sure that we're safe and that we're going to be okay. But what really struck me as I read about this is that once a need is met, our brain no longer scans the environment for it anymore. Right? It moves on and it starts scanning for theoretically the next most important need. And it's fascinating what is right here in the middle, love and belonging. Now this is huge, don't, don't miss this. This theory suggests that after our brains scan the environment and determine that we physiologically have what we need to survive and that our life is not in danger, the thing it scans for as the next most important thing for us to survive and thrive is love and belonging. That the thing your brain deems of next most importance for your surviving and thriving after it knows that you are not going to physically die is that you have a place where you belong and that you know that you are loved. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I get this, right? Because I know what it feels like to not belong. And it doesn't matter how big of a personality you have, how extroverted you are. If you are an eight on the Enneagram, we all know what it feels like to not belong. And there really isn't much of a worse feeling, is there? You know, one of the greatest human fears is that we'd be rejected, which means that one of the greatest human desires is that we'd know that we belong. And as we look at Maslow's hierarchy, isn't it interesting that the need for love and belonging has direct implications on the other two needs that we have as humans, right? And we know this. We know that how we feel about being loved has direct implications of how we view ourselves, right? And so many of us seek to fill this need for love with things that leave us empty on the inside, right? Like the lost son from last week, we make decision after decision to find that love, and eventually we find ourselves penniless emotionally. And we know this too, that, that knowing we are loved and knowing we belong is directly connected to us stepping out and stepping into our fullest potential. It's why we can look around and we see so many who are walking around aimlessly with no purpose because they have never belonged to something bigger than themselves. Right? The implication of having this love and belonging need met the right way could not be greater. Now, for Maslow, he, he would have been fine with any kind of love, right? He never specified a special kind or, or type of love. He just said that the human need is that we need some type of love and belonging. But here, catch this, here is why the church and followers of Jesus are uniquely positioned and equipped to step into this belonging gap. 
because we don't have just any kind of love to give. Right? We rely on a different kind of love, an out-of-this-world kind of love. Right? In fact, this idea of love and belonging is at the very center of the message of Jesus. One of the questions that Jesus always seemed to be pushing the envelope on when he was here in the first century was this. Who belongs in the family of God? And he was so expansive with his answer to this question that it drove religious leaders of his time crazy. Right? This group called the Pharisees, they couldn't stand it. They wanted it to be, to be an exclusive club, right? To put up barriers to belonging. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus is this. That God, through Jesus on the cross, broke down the barrier of sin that had a hold on you and had a hold on me. So we might belong to the family of God. The very gospel itself is one of belonging. That we are sons and daughters, no longer alienated because God's love did something that we could never do on our own. And the Apostle John one of the 12 guys that Jesus picked to walk with him during his time on earth, he writes this in a letter that we call 1 John. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. That there is no fear in love, but perfect love, and what is perfect love? It's God's love. Perfect love actually drives out out fear. Perfect love is relentless love. Perfect love is illogical love. Perfect love is love that never stops no matter what. And God's love is perfect love. And God's love actually obliterates fear. Right? But don't, don't miss this. John isn't talking about a fear of heights uh, or a fear of spiders, or a fear that the Longhorns will never win another football game once they join the SEC, right? Um, he's talking about the fear that has to do with punishment, which means that he's talking about the fear that we might be rejected by God because of our sin and our shortcoming. But God's perfect love made a way to make amends for our sin and shortcoming. And it drives out the fear that we might be rejected by God. Perfect love made a way so that our sins could never be too big for God. Perfect love made a way so that we don't have to fear being judged by God. Perfect love made a way so that our sins could never make us be abandoned by God. Perfect love drove out the fear of us not being good enough. And ultimately, perfect love drives out the fear that we would not belong in the family of God. And at the very center of the gospel is God, through Jesus, breaking down barriers of belonging so that we might be in the family and belong in the family of God. And that love, that perfect love, has changed so many of us. 
It is the power of belonging. And I can think of so many beautiful stories that have been told in this place of the perfect love of God breaking down barriers of belonging. Okay, so we know that people are craving belonging, that there's a belonging gap. And we know that as Jesus followers, we are uniquely positioned and equipped to stand in this belonging gap with the perfect love of God. So now what? What do we do? do? Well, here's the challenge. We have to ruthlessly eliminate barriers to belonging. We have to ruthlessly identify and eliminate barriers to belonging. Just as God, through Jesus, eliminated the barrier for us to live in relationship with Him and to belong in the family of God, our responsibility is the same, to ruthlessly eliminate barriers to belonging, to ensure that when people come into this place, it isn't just something for them to attend, it is a place where they belong, that it is home. And the first step to ruthlessly eliminate barriers to belonging is that we have to identify some of these barriers. So let's talk about some barriers maybe that we need to be careful to be careful that we are not erecting, and that when we find them, we need to tear down. So a barrier could be a lack of authenticity. right? One of our core behaviors is to be genuine. And in an Instagram filter, Photoshopped world, people can smell phony from a mile away. And we can't expect people to see and feel like the real version of themselves belongs if we aren't being real and genuine ourselves. When we come into this place, we have to be who we really are. We have to set the tone and lead in this way. We cannot let a lack of authenticity on our part become a barrier to belonging. Another barrier could be our ignorance, right? We can't be ignorant of the world and the community around us. Ignorance cannot be an excuse, right? We have to be students and learners of the community that we find ourselves in. If we want to be able to genuinely invite someone into this place, that means that we have to know them. We have to know the community around us. We have to know what they like, what they don't like, what makes them tick. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is a barrier. Another barrier could be when our preferences start to become convictions, right? When our preferences start to become convictions, we start wading into the water of legalism. We can quickly find ourselves hanging with the Pharisees in an exclusive club instead of hanging with Jesus, breaking down barriers to belonging. Right? So we have to check ourselves on this because it happens so easily. Right? When we say we can't do X or she can't do Y, we have to step back and evaluate and ask ourselves, 
Why is it that that is true? Is it because a preference of mine has become a conviction? Are my preferences becoming barriers to belonging of those in this space? And we can't let that happen. Politics can be a barrier to belonging. Now, I know everybody just got really nervous, uh, but I'm probably never going to be back up here anyway, so let's talk about it, you know? Um, do you have any friends who are Democrats? Do you have any friends who are Republicans? Are we more concerned about someone's political affiliation than we are about their relationship with Jesus? It's got to stop. We can't let earthly things become barriers to eternal things. That's all I'm going to say about that. Comfort. Our comfort can become a barrier to belonging. All of us were new to this place at one point in time. But some of us have not been new for quite a while. Right? We're comfortable now. We have our rhythms and our routines, our usual seat and the folks we make sure to check in with each week. I'm guilty of this. Right? We're, we're on the inside now. And we can't let our comfort become a barrier to others experiencing the beautiful belonging that we found in this place. We have to continue to live out a radical form of hospitality in this place, in our homes, in our workplaces. Right, We have to live out a form of hospitality that pushes us outside of our comfort zone, that makes us connect with those who are different than us, that makes us connect with a person in this place that you think might be new, but you're not sure. And if they aren't new, it'd be really awkward if you asked them they were new. Ask them anyway, right? We cannot let our comfort become a barrier to belonging. We have to be a people who ruthlessly identify and eliminate barriers to belonging. Now, one of the things that I didn't tell you from the USC article is what the University of Southern California did. They wanted to combat this loneliness crisis. So you know what they did? They hired a director of belonging. The University of Southern California, I'm not making this up. You can go check it out. They hired a director of belonging whose sole job is to break down barriers to belonging. Now, whether you knew it or not, and no matter what your job title is, this morning you have become a director of belonging. Right? And to help you remember that, for others to know uh, this new role that you find yourself in, we've got folks who are going to pass out uh, some name tags that say Director of Belonging on it. You can put it on this morning. Uh, you, can, you can take it home and put it in a place uh, at your house that will remind you as you leave each day that you are a Director of Belonging. If you want to be 
extra brave and lean into that radical hospitality we were talking about, you can stick this on your door at work. So when your coworkers walk in, they know uh, that you are also a director of belonging. Because as followers of Jesus, as the church, this is what we are. We are directors of belonging. It is our job to break down barriers to belonging. And may we be a people who ruthlessly eliminate barriers to belonging. We all pray with me. Father God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for being a father that, that allows us to belong no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. God, I pray that if there are people uh, here or online right now who are, who are hearing us talk about belonging but thinking, well, he doesn't know what I've done. God, I pray that you would help them to see uh, that there is, there is no struggle they have had and that they can't overcome. There's no decision they've made. There is nothing we can do to be outside of your family. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, that that is our reality, that we are your sons and daughters, that we belong, that when the cultural culture around us tries to tell us who we are and what we are, God, that we can be rooted in you. Father, I pray that you would help us to leave this place today, God, that we would be brave in living out this calling to be directors of belonging. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray.